It's time for the Tech Mobility Show with Ken Chester. Ken is a veteran journalist who doesn't always color between the lines. So, here he is, the host with the electrified personality, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is the Tech Mobility Show, America's program for news, information, and perspective at the intersection of mobility and technology. I'm Ken Chester, and let's get started on the docket. A review of the 2024 Chevrolet Equinox RS SUV, the value of bus terminals, <laughs> and semis and outer space. Yeah, semis and outer space. I'll explain. To join the conversation, be it to ask a question, share an opinion, or even suggest an idea for future discussion, call or text the Tech Mobility Hotline, that number, 872-222-9793, or you can email the show, talk at techmobility.show, and that is talk at techmobility.show. And as always, we are all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. We're there, as well as our podcasts. Do check them out. Do check them out. Like them. And if you haven't already, do follow us. It'd be so great if you would. Thanks. From the Tech Mobility News Desk. I want to talk about Volkswagen integrating chat GPT into its vehicles. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Bear in mind that chat GPT busted out into the public space maybe a little over a year ago. And now everything, everybody is trying to infuse everything with some sort of conversationalist AI. And I say, I say this, just because you can, don't mean you should. So let's talk about this. They're talking about basically all of their electric vehicles that use their IDA voice assistant will have access to automotive-grade chat GPT integration via something they call uh, Serence Chat Pro. First of all, what does automotive-grade anything mean? They don't explain it. I'm not really sure I understand what they're getting at, how automotive-grade chat GPT is better than regular old or standard chat GPT. Not sure about that. They introduced this at CES this year. And they said the first vehicles were artificial intelligence-based chatbot is integrated into its IDA voice assistant. In the future, the article goes on, customers will have seamless access to the constantly growing artificial intelligence database in all Volkswagen models equipped with the IDA voice assistant and have research content read out to them while driving. Okay, let me ask this. Is this ever going to be human curated? And what do I mean by that? Chat GPT and AI in general and AI in particular has an ability to what the uh, industry calls to hallucinate, giving you information that swear it swears up and down is true, but in actuality isn't true. So they say researched, yeah, researched by who? I don't know. Doesn't say. And it's interesting because they're rolling it out in Europe which typically has stricter 
guidelines regarding AI right now than we do. But they do, they are considering it for the U.S. I don't know. Would you really want to own a vehicle that's smarter than you? Just a question. Just wondering. You know, they're engineering all this stuff in to the point where I just, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I'm okay. I don't mind a little help, but there becomes a point where it could be too much. And I was just driving a vehicle uh, here in the last week where I was really offended by its nanny state approach to things. And uh, you'll hear that in a future review. I'm not going to name the vehicle now, but it is, it is a major luxury make. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, produced by a global manufacturer. And I really took offense with just how much it was. Yeah, it it was not okay. I didn't like it. And I'm not sure I like this. For example, and they give an example. The IDA voice assistant can be used to control infotainment, navigation, and air conditioning. Can it do that now via Bluetooth anyway? You can speak to it and it's doing So that's no big deal. Or to answer general knowledge questions. I don't know what that means. Um, what's the color? Is the earth round or flat? I don't know. Is general knowledge questions. In the future, AI will provide additional information in response to questions that go beyond this as part of its continuously expanding capabilities. But the article doesn't say where that information is coming from, how it's going to be curated, and how it's going to be packaged for you. And also, something else. Does not say if this is an extra cost item. This can be helpful on many levels during a car journey, it says. Enriching conversations, clearing up questions, interacting in intuitive language, receiving vehicle-specific information, and much more purely hands-free. You know, I'm not sure I want to communicate with my car that much. Sometimes I just like the solace. Leave me alone. I'm going to put it in drive, turn up the radio. Let me be. Just let me be. You know, some questions are rhetorical. I don't want you to answer them, car. And I don't want you buttoning into my conversations either. So, I'm again, I don't know. How, how do you feel about it? Do you think that chat GPT, uh, excuse me, automotive grade has a place in future cars? I mean, we're getting to a point, honestly, and I'm inclined to agree with you. The car is getting so technical anymore and overwhelming. I just want to drive. I want to enjoy the drive. You know, maybe tell, you know, speak to the thing and have it set my, uh, you know, the temperature or my seat or turn on my heated uh, steering wheel or something. Now, one I like that I talked about last year, uh, Mazda was coming out with a CX-90 where you could sit in the seat, look around, and it would program and set your program, and it would recognize you by your eyes. You could set all your parameters. You don't have to change nothing. You have 15 people driving that car, but when you sit in it, parameters that you set for it, it will recognize you and set the car up accordingly. Now that I kind of like that kind of, I could roll with that. Um, cause it's not trying to talk back to me. I just don't know. The voice assistant is activated by saying, hello, IDA. 
or pressing a button on the steering wheel. IDA automatically pri prioritizes whether the vehicle, whether it's a vehicle function that should be executed, a destination searched, and the temperature adjusted. If the request cannot be answered by the Volkswagen system, it is forwarded anonymously to AI and the familiar Volkswagen voice responds. I have not heard the familiar Volkswagen voice, so I don't know what that sounds like. Is it German? Is it British? Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, Indonesian. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Now, they claim that ChatGPT does not gain any access to vehicle data. Questions and answers are deleted immediately to assure the highest possible level of data protection. Yeah, right. Here's the thing. They got to train these things. And somewhere, at least in the early days, they're going to keep some of it. They have to. They got to train the thing to do it and verify that it's doing what it says it does. So I'm not totally buying that, at least not at first. This is facilitated by uh, Charent Chat Pro which leverages, leverages a multitude of sources, including JetGBT, to enable IDA to provide relevant responses to nearly every query imaginable. Yeah. Does this steering wheel make me fat? Hey, every question imaginable. I'm, I'm putting it out there. The feature also prioritizes security and seamless integration with IDA's myriad capabilities delivering ease of use for drivers. I don't know about this. I really don't. I really don't. I'm not sure. Volkswagen quotes, We are proud to build on our automotive expertise and longstanding partnership with Volkswagen to offer its customers new innovations that leverage generative AI and large language models even after they have purchased a vehicle. Last year, just so you know, Volkswagen delivered 330,000 pure electric vehicles to customers worldwide. 330,000. ChatGPT and all the ways that could go wrong, and they didn't even say how many countries and what kind of things you can ask it, just how weird it can get, and what happens if it's really weird? Does it contact law enforcement? Just questions. After the brand's full-size pickup truck hits the nameplate's bestseller, I review it next. You are listening to the Tech Mobility Show. Are you tired of juggling multiple apps and platforms for meetings, webinars, and staying connected? Look no further than AONMeetings.com, the all-in-one browser-based platform that does it all. With AON Meetings, you can effortlessly communicate with clients, host virtual meetings and webinars, and stay in touch with family and friends, all in one place and for one price. Here's the best part. You can enjoy a 30-day free trial. It's time to simplify your life and boost your productivity. AONMeetings.com, where innovation meets connection. Get started today and revolutionize the way you communicate. Social media is the main place to be these days, and we are no exception. I'm Ken Chester of the Tech Mobility Show. If you enjoy my program, then you will also enjoy my weekly Facebook videos. From my latest vehicle reviews to timely commentary of a variety of mobility and technology-related topics, these short features are designed to inform and delight you. Be sure to watch, like, and follow us on Facebook. You can find us by typing the Tech Mobility Show in the search bar. Be sure to subscribe to our Facebook page. Social media is the place to be these days, and we're no exception. I'm Ken Chester of the Tech Mobility Show. If you enjoy my program, then you will also enjoy my weekly Instagram videos. 
From the latest vehicle reviews to timely commentary on a variety of mobility and technology-related topics, these short features are designed to inform and delight you. Be sure to watch, like, and follow us on Instagram. You can find us by typing the Tech Mobility Show in the search bar. For those of you that listen to podcasts, we have just the one for you. Hi, I'm Ken Chester. Tech Mobility Topics is a podcast where I upload topic-specific videos each week. Shorter than the full show, these bite-sized programs are just the thing, particularly if you're interested in a particular topic covered on the weekly radio show. From Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many podcast platforms in between, we got you covered. Just enter Tech Mobility Topics in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts. This is today's Chevrolet. Discover a space vehicle unlike any you've ever seen before. With an advanced new form of Earth travel, Chevrolet Celebrity Wagon. Never before has a front-drive wagon touched down with this much inner space, enough for up to eight people. Celebrity. No other front-drive wagon gives you more space at a price this low. Value. That's today's Chevrolet. Uh... Value, just so you know, less than $9,000 new. And, yeah, it had that uh, reverse seat in the back. Yeah, seats eight? Yeah. The unsafe two folks facing out towards the back window. Yeah, I don't know whoever came up with that idea. But, yeah, a station wagon throwback that was not safe at all, full stop. But they built them. And, in fact, the that uh, celebrity, Pontiac 6000, Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra, and I'm trying to think of one more. They were all what they call A-bodies. Four-door sedans, two-door hardtops, and uh, the wagons. Mm-hmm. Built them for a long time. Let me talk about the Chevrolet Equinox Compact Crossover SUV. It's the automaker's second bestseller after the full-size Silverado pickup truck. Introduced by the automaker in 2004 for the 2005 model year, the Equinox was designed to be a replacement for the North American Chevy Tracker and S10 Blazer, and to both of those, I say good riddance. Here's what I, where I share with you full disclosure. Before we even get started, just let me put up my cards on the table. I own a 2018 Chevy Equinox uh, front-wheel drive in LT trim. Storm blue is what they call the exterior color, and it took me a while to warm up to it, but I like it now. 2018 model year also coincides with the debut of the smaller third-generation Equinox. Now riding on the GM D2XX platform that is also shared with the Buick Envision and GMC Terrain, Chevy chose to reposition the vehicle in its lineup, with the larger all-new Blazer that was also introduced that year taking its place. And let me tell you, the ugly Dugling became a swan in 2018. I fell in love with it at the 2018 Chicago Auto Show. Little did I know that within a few years, I would own one. It's important to note that even through the pandemic, Equinox sales held on to its number two sales position in the Chevrolet hierarchy, and volume actually increased a bit during that same time. Fast forward to 2024 model year. Chevy freshened Equinox, knowing that all new versions, gasoline and a first ever EV, were the pipeline for 2025. While the package was spruced up inside and out, how much different could it have been to my 2018? The good folks at Chevrolet delivered a 2024 Equinox RS all-wheel drive to me for a week so I could find out for myself. <laughs> but first, the numbers. 
available in four trim levels in front or all-wheel drive. Base power for the Equinox is delivered by a tried-and-true 1.5-liter four-cylinder gasoline turbo engine, basically the same as my 2018, that produced 175 horsepower and 203 foot-pounds of torque. Energy is communicated to the drive wheels through a Hydromatic 6T40 six-speed automatic transmission. Fuel economy is 26 highway, I'm sorry, 26 city, 31 highway for front-wheel drive, and 24 city, 30 highway for all-wheel drive. Cargo capacity is 63.9 cubic feet, with the second row seats folded flat. Towing capacity is 1,500 pounds. Here's what I liked about the vehicle. First of all, Chevy didn't offer the RS trim in 2018, so the aggressively fine look of the new Equinox is pleasing to the eye. The word for 2024 is safety, with the Equinox brimming with more safety features than ever before. Even the infotainment system graphics have been upgraded. The RS is equipped with the same infotainment system that used to be only available on the Premier. The magic for 2024 is the many small tweaks in the interior. The 2024 Equinox is one of those times when a manufacturer kept what was working and enhanced the rest. And while the Equinox is no barn burner, it continues to be very capable in the daily dispatch. <laughs> I call it middle-of-the-road goodness. It's obvious that this vehicle is not designed to be driven far off-road. Meanwhile, the attributes that I love about the Equinox, how the 60-40 split fold-down rear seat folds flat with the cargo floor, how the space-saving spare tire is located inside the vehicle under the cargo area floor, which also boasts some added storage space, by the way, <clears throat> And a good outward view of the road still hold true. And for short drivers, there's a knob on the driver's side door that remotely opens the rear hatch and more importantly, allows you to adjust how high that hatch should open. If my experience with my Equinox is any indication, the average motorist should easily best the EPA fuel economy numbers. Burning summer gasoline blends, which cost more to make than the winter blends, I can typically get 30 to 32 miles a gallon consistently and that's even when I'm burning E15. Here's what I didn't like about the vehicle. <laughs> and it's a bone I have to pick with you, Chevrolet. First of all, while the base engine is capable, I often yearn for the additional power and torque and highway maneuvers that your previously offered two-liter four-cylinder gasoline turbo made into a nine-speed automatic transmission would have provided. The manufacturer says they discontinued it in 2022 because of low sales. This is all in caps and bold. But you could have fixed it by making it standard on Premier General Motors. Just saying. But I digress. I worry about the combination of the panoramic sunroof with roof rails. Um, how strong is that glass? Did you really intend to offer consumers that combination, Chevrolet? It seems like a recipe for damage to me. Now, I know that this vehicle is not designed to be driven off-road. But two words. Drive modes. I know some passenger cars even that offer them. Chevy, you could have at least offered economy, normal, snow, and sport modes. Just saying. And a sport mode would really add some punch to what I thought the RS was missing. You know, added performance. Could we maybe have performance that matched the aggressive look? You know, just a question. Just putting it out there. Finally, the design of the radio fin mounted at the back of the vehicle on the roof may be sensitive to water intrusion. <laughs> My brief challenges with the Equinox RS gave me a $600 flashback to when I had to replace mine. And I hope I was just me overreacting. 
When it comes to the Chevy Equinox, the automaker gets just about everything right. Right size, right features, decent price. Drive modes, a more powerful engine option, and standard heating, standard heated steering wheel and front seats option, at least from the LS, LT trim and up, would be wonderful. Having said that, GM is getting ready to take the Equinox to the next level in 2025. If you're in the market for an affordable EV or looking to replace your <clears throat> seven-year-old Equinox, Chevy's got you covered. For you value hunters out there, I bet you might be able to get a deal on a 2024 Equinox late this spring as the automaker clears the deck for the new ones. Be sure to follow up with your dealer. Manufacturer suggested retail price for the 2024 Chevy Equinox Compact Crossover SUV starts from $27,995 for the LS front-wheel drive up to $34,795 for Premier all-wheel drive. Destination charges add $1,395. MSRP is tested. 2024 Chevy Equinox RS all-wheel drive with the following options. RS leather package, power sunroof, safety and info... Safety and infotainment package. Total cost of the options, $4,275. Total MSRP, including options and destination charges, $38,220. Like I said, this vehicle ain't a barn burner, but if you're looking for the, something in the Daily Dispatch, this is the one. Worth more dead than alive. Downtown bus terminals next. This is the Tech Mobility Show. Do you listen to podcasts? Seems that most people do. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. If you've missed any of our weekly episodes on the radio, our podcast is a great way to listen. You can find the Tech Mobility Podcast just about anywhere you can enjoy podcasts. Be sure to follow us. From Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many platforms in between, we are there. Just enter the Tech Mobility Podcast in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts. Social media, it's the place to be who are no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. Several times a week, I post to TikTok several of the topics that I cover on my weekly radio show. It's another way to keep up on mobility technology news and information. I've built quite a library of short videos for your viewing pleasure, so be sure to watch, like, and subscribe. That's the Tech Mobility Show on TikTok. Check it out. If you're just joining us, this is the Tech Mobility Show, and I'm Ken Chester. The lowly downtown bus station. Long a staple of many a downtown over the years, the iconic bus station has long been featured in movies and television as a place to arrive and depart. It's also the way for those who lack any other form of transportation to get from city to city or to connect with public transportation hubs in a particular city. The irony is that these bus stations are worth more dead than alive, and this is topic B. Imagine this. You can't get there from here. The inner city bus system, probably one of the most overlooked parts of public transportation for those people who are unable to afford any other way of getting around. You've heard songs, you've seen movies, uh, the bus, the lowly bus, has been celebrated and woven into a part of American fabric. What's happening now 
is that these downtown sites are being closed, being sold, and people are being displaced, the very people that rely on these. For some cities, they're pushing the bus terminal out in the middle of nowhere where nobody can connect to anything. In other cases, it's called curbside service, where the bus pulls up to the curb and you mount it. The problem is, if you're trying to connect bus routes, getting off one bus, getting onto another bus, want to get something to eat, showing up at a weird hour, there's no resources for you. Nothing to keep you warm or cool. No place to eat. No place to be safe. You know, this, this is not going well. And some cities have the nerve to actually be hostile towards, for, who, for many, this is the only way they can get around. They don't live near an Amtrak route. They're not necessarily connected to public transportation and getting into a city, getting downtown, maybe they're a block or two from catching a bus. But the way this is going now with them getting out of the core downtowns, either selling this property to developers or just closing them because it costs so much they can't make the money to support them means, again, that our most vulnerable and our poorest Americans are at risk again. Who's speaking for them? Houston, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Tampa, Louisville, Charlottesville, Portland, and other downtown depots have been shuttered in recent years. Bus terminals in major hubs like Chicago and Dallas are also set to close. Greyhound and other companies have relocated their stops far away from city centers, which are often inaccessible by public transit, switched to curbside service, or worse, eliminated the routes altogether. A a Greyhound terminal closures in one state can unravel service in others, and the closures threaten to break the comprehensive web of national bus routes. Consider this. The number you want to know is 60 million. That's how many people rode the bus last year. And just so you know, that's double what Amtrak carried. 60 million Americans who are losing their mobility, you know, it's impacting disproportionately low-income and mobility-challenged citizens that don't have any other options. Roughly three-quarters of inner-city bus riders have annual incomes of less than $40,000. Inner-city bus riders are disproportionately minorities, people with disabilities, and unemployed travelers. You may have heard of this company. Uh, It's... uh, Alden Global Capital. Another venture capitalist who is almost single-handedly responsible for decimating the newspaper business. Now they've turned towards buying terminals to resell them. Last year, one of their subsidiaries, 20 Lake Holdings, purchased 33 Greyhound stations for $140 million. Then they turned around and sold those terminals to real estate developers, speeding up the timetable for closures. An important piece of transit infrastructure is being sacrificed in the name of higher profits, said one industry watcher. It's not okay. Hmm. 
Bus carriers often try to switch to curbside service when a terminal closes. But curbside bus service can clog up city streets with passengers and a luggage, snarl traffic, increase pollution, and frustrate local business owners. In Philadelphia, a Greyhound terminal closure and switch to curbside service after its lease ended turned into a human, human, uh, human disaster. Disaster. Mm-hmm. And a multiple a municipal disgrace with people waiting on street corners. In Cincinnati, the Greyhound Terminal downtown closed last year after sale and relocated to a suburban area far from public transportation. Uh, isn't that counterintuitive? If I need the inner city bus to get around and I'm getting into a city where I need to make a connection and I can't make the connection because I'm out in the middle of nowhere, what's the point? It's not all negative. Let me at least give you a, a, a light, a bright light. One promising model is Atlanta, where Greyhound opened a new 14,000-square-foot dedicated terminal this year with financial support from the federal government. The station is used by other inner-city bus operators and is near public transit. Some public transit advocates note that train stations are more anchored and less movable than bus stations, and in many cases, they can serve as dual train and bus stations. Milwaukee and Boston, for example, have also have municipal, municipal inner-city bus terminals located next to train stations. Well, duh. If you're going to make this work for everybody, because mobility is a thing. That's what we talk about on this show. We talk about mobility and technology. But if you can't get there from here, what's the point? And really, 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 Cities and towns need to make this a priority. If we're looking out for everybody, if we claim to be the richest country in the world, we should be looking out for our old folks. We should be looking out for disadvantaged folks, our veterans, and especially those folk who are Americans that can't look out for themselves. We can start by something as simple as co-locating City, inner city bus services with public transportation in larger cities and protecting these folks and making it safer for everybody. Because if you can't be mobile, then you can't be independent. And isn't freedom of mobility the American way? And why should it be for everybody, not just the select few? Everybody should be able to be mobile in America. Everybody. And we should facilitate that. And this is not rocket science right here. This is easy, this is easy fix. It's a really easy fix. Because most cities and towns, you probably have some uh, public transportation hub somewhere. Build the inner city bus terminal next to it or nearby. So people can make that exchange. Remove the friction. Make it seamless. It is not rocket science. And you're not talking Millions upon tens of millions of dollars to do it. That's the other thing. It's not big money. A little creativity, a little bit of time, and a little bit of caring could go a long way for people who don't have any other way of being mobile. Everybody deserves to be mobile in America. So, your outer space satellite needs to be moved. Who are you going to call? That's next. We are the Tech Mobility Show.
To learn more about the Tech Mobility Show, start by visiting our website. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. The website is a treasure trove of information about me and the show, as well as where to find it on the radio across the country. Keep up with the happenings at the Tech Mobility Show by visiting techmobility.show. That's techmobility.show. You can also drop us a line at talk at techmobility.show. Did you know that Tech Mobility has a YouTube channel? Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. Each week, I upload a few short videos of some of the hot topics that I cover during my weekly radio program. I've designed these videos to be informative and entertaining. It's another way to keep up on current mobility and technology news and information. Be sure to watch, like, and subscribe to my channel. That's the Tech Mobility Show on YouTube. Check it out. Are you tired of juggling multiple apps and platforms for meetings, webinars, and staying connected? Look no further than AONMeetings.com, the all-in-one browser-based platform that does it all. With AON Meetings, you can effortlessly communicate with clients, host virtual meetings and webinars, and stay in touch with family and friends, all in one place and for one price. Here's the best part. You can enjoy a 30-day free trial. It's time to simplify your life and boost your productivity. AONMeetings.com, where innovation meets connection. Get started today and revolutionize the way you communicate. Social media is the place to be these days, and we're no exception. I'm Ken Chester of the Tech Mobility Show. If you enjoy my program, then you will also enjoy my weekly Instagram videos. From the latest vehicle reviews to timely commentary on a variety of mobility and technology-related topics, these short features are designed to inform and delight you. Be sure to watch, like, and follow us on Instagram. You can find us by typing the Tech Mobility Show in the search bar. Space, <laughs> the final frontier. While shiny rockets from the likes of SpaceX, Blue Origin, and United Launch Alliance capture the attention and interest of millions, the sustainability of this beyond-Earth economy may just depend on the ability to move these satellites around. So, <laughs> who are you going to call? And this is Topic C. Remember, tech mobility talks about all kinds of mobility. So you don't know what I'm going to talk about, except if it moves, and we talked about this, if it moves or if it moves you, it is open for discussion. And right now we're talking about something called an orbital transfer vehicle, or what they dub the semi-trucks of space that are being designed to move space cargo between orbits or even transport it deeper into space. If you haven't heard it all, I think now you have. It seems that with all the attention of all the stuff we're putting out there, that sometimes it's not able to be moved around on its own. And it's going to need a little help. So a whole slew of companies are developing these orbital transfer vehicles to move these uh, space cargo, be it satellites or heaven knows what else out there, around uh, even changing their orbits and stuff. It's a little bit beyond me, but we've talked about space economy. Do you remember maybe three years ago, three and a half years ago, we talked about space hotels that we expect to be a thing by the end of the decade? Well, you're going to need something to move this stuff around. And these massive craft are designed to carry large amounts of cargo and deliver it into low Earth orbit. So with that happening, 
yeah, you're going to need what they call the semis of space. Transit is a crucial topic for a new lunar economy, according to scientists, entrepreneurs, and policymakers. And orbital transfer vehicles could ultimately open the door for other sectors of the emerging space economy on the moon and beyond, such as space tourism or extraterrestrial mining. Because, you know, it's not enough to mine the Earth. Now we need to go out there and mine some stuff, of course, right? Several large companies are working to develop orbital transfer vehicles. Blue Ring, a vehicle made by Blue Origin, that's uh, Jeff Bezos' company, will offer transportation, refueling, and more. And Northrop Grumman, who's a defense contractor, is building what it calls mission robotic vehicles, which offer services such as equipping satellites with propulsion pods to extend their use. And then there are startups getting involved. California-based Impulse Space in November launched its first transport vehicle, a a craft called Mira, about the size of a washing machine in a low-Earth orbit on a SpaceX rocket. The company's planning more missions and developing another transport vehicle called Helios. Let me stop right here. All this extra traffic up there. Again, I have to think this way because it's the world we live in now. What kind of security, protection, or safety is being engineered into this? And who determines what goes where? If you've got all these orbital transfer vehicles up there, who's to say that a somebody who has nefarious designs on messing things up or purposely moving, kidnapping, or otherwise disabling important satellites like weather or GPS satellites. Don't get up there and start messing with stuff. Or let's just even keep it simple. How do you know you're moving the right stuff around? Maybe you move the wrong stuff around by accident and you cause an issue. We are so dependent on our satellites for GPS, for weather tracking, and a whole host of other things normally in our normal everyday lives, and governments tracking everything else, stuff we know about, and unfortunately stuff we don't know about. I just get concerned with the rush to build these vehicles. One, who is going to not legislate, but moderate, control, or otherwise curate what's going up there? In addition to everything else they're building up there, now you're adding these vehicles up there. That's a lot of stuff moving around. Who's got the last say at how many and what density and how safe are they and what happens if they get disabled? How are you going to keep somebody from nefariously designing something into one of these vehicles that can disarm, harm, or otherwise uh, hack stuff that's up there now? Because the more stuff you put in, the easier it is to hide the bad stuff. You know, they don't think about this. Or if they're thinking about it, they ain't sharing. I don't know. I understand that part of the allure of these is to redesign the satellites they are putting up there so you don't need as much payload or you can maximize payload because you don't need as much fuel to get them in a low space orbit. Use one of these vehicles to move them into a higher orbit or move them around. Again, I have concerns because you're putting a lot more things up there and out there, but I don't know because they said, number one, space is not something that is governed by any given special government. So with all this stuff out there, is it going to take a UN 
uh, resolution to get a handle on it? Uh, will it take a multi-nation group of folks to keep an eye on everything that's going up there? Because if anything, from the sounds of this, particularly if you add space tourism to the mix, you're talking about a whole lot more stuff on top of the stuff they've been putting out there for the last 60 years. At some point, there's going to be a problem. And I'm not sure how that's going to be handled. Because again, lots more companies putting stuff out there. And I'm not okay with it. Because it's just so much going on. Texas-based Firefly Aerospace is developing a space transport and service craft it calls Elytra and plans to launch the vehicle on one of its rockets for the first time in 2024. Representatives of the company said the craft could shift around vehicles in low Earth orbit, where numerous companies are building up large fleets of satellites. Who is monitoring what they're putting in these satellites and what these satellites are looking at? Just asking. I just, I'm just not comfortable. I'm really just not comfortable with everything that they're putting up there and more. Here's something. We should view the rocket as like a cargo ship regularly coming to port, and then we should have a semi-truck that lives in space and takes the cargo everywhere else, said Robert Carlyle, co-founder of startup Argo Space. The company is working on a space transport vehicle that it hopes will one day source water for its propellant from the dusty material that covers the moon. We talked about how much water is actually up there in the moon. It's quite a bit. Such ships would work hand in glove with big rockets that are being developed, including SpaceX Starship, New Glenn from Blue Origin, and United Launch Alliance's Vulcan Centaur, which blasted off for the first time earlier this month. Those rockets, along with others, are designed to be capable of hoisting large amounts of mass into low Earth orbit. Spacecraft for satellites deployed during launches can then get a lift from the space transport craft to the final destinations. We haven't even talked about how you build for this stuff. <laughs> Questions. We've come to the end of our program. Be sure to join me again right here next time. You have been listening to Tech Mobility Show. The Tech Mobility Show is a copywritten production of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. For those of you that listen to podcasts, we have just the one for you. Hi, I'm Ken Chester. Tech Mobility Topics is a podcast where I upload topic-specific videos each week. Shorter than the full show, these bite-sized programs are just the thing, particularly if you're interested in a particular topic covered on the weekly radio show. From Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many podcast platforms in between, we got you covered. Just enter Tech Mobility Topics in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts. Social media, it's the place to be who are no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. Several times a week, I post to TikTok several of the topics that I cover on my weekly radio show. It's another way to keep up on mobility technology news and information. I've built quite a library of short videos for your viewing pleasure, so be sure to watch, like, and subscribe. That's the Tech Mobility Show on TikTok. Check it out. To learn more about the Tech Mobility Show, start by visiting our website. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. 
The website is a treasure trove of information about me and the show, as well as where to find it on the radio across the country. Keep up with the happenings at the Tech Mobility Show by visiting techmobility.show. That's techmobility.show. You can also drop us a line at talk at techmobility.show. Do you listen to podcasts? Seems that most people do. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. If you missed any of our weekly episodes on the radio, our podcast is a great way to listen. You can find the Tech Mobility Podcast just about anywhere you can enjoy podcasts. Be sure to follow us. From Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many platforms in between, we are there. Just enter the Tech Mobility Podcast in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts.